Hey everyone, this is at New York iDoc, aka Dr. Damaris Raimondi. I'm an optometrist and welcome to my podcast. My show is for anyone looking to be inspired by the unique stories experienced by healthcare professionals across varying medical fields. To catch all of my episodes as soon as I publish them, please hit that subscribe button and let's get to today's guest. She is a board-certified family physician based in Miami, Florida. She was a staff physician with the Department of Homeland Security, and she has been featured on CNN and Univision, Canal 23, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. And she is now the founder of her very own direct primary care practice, Your Family MD. Everyone, please give a warm welcome to Dr. Dalian Caraballo. Yay! <laughs> welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much, Tamaris, for having me here. Absolutely. Well, with most of my guests, I usually first meet you on Instagram. And on Instagram, you're at Dr. Dalian C. So at D-R-D-A-L-I-A-N-C. And yeah, welcome to the show. So let's just get right to it. We want to learn more about you. When you were a little girl, did you know you wanted to be a physician? I did, Damaris. It's a good question. I had actually this past week, we did a career week for um, my daughter's school. And that's, this is one of the questions that one of the students asked. And I was actually seven years old when I was when I decided that okay I want to be I want to be a doctor, and it was because my mom is a nurse she's retired now, um, but she uh, would take us sometimes whenever she didn't have any daycare to that this was in Puerto Rico in 1986, and so whenever she didn't have anybody to take care of us she would take us and we would stay at the lounge. And I would spend time with her friends and I would do my homework. So that's when my love for health and medicine kind of like started. And then my mom, after that, I told her, mom, I want to be a nurse. And she said, okay, I'm going to introduce you to some of the doctors so you can see what they do. And she was always encouraging me to do that. And that, and then after that, I said, okay, I'm going to be a doctor just being surrounded by it that's uh such a impressionable thing to uh put a child in the middle of and it's amazing how much you absorb and how much you identify with uh, seeing what everybody else is doing versus what people tell you necessarily <laughs> right yeah. so i love that you knew since you were a little girl that's amazing was there like a particular patient experience that inspired you to want to follow family medicine Actually, you know, when I finished medical school in the last year, um, I was preparing to take my UCLA steps to be able to get into residency. And then I didn't know that family medicine existed. My, in my, in my um, mind, I only have, you know, internal medicine or mm -hmm. pediatrics or OBGYN, but I didn't know that family medicine existed. So when I started applying and looking around, I started looking more and learning more about what is family medicine. And then when I saw that, when I finished, I was going to be able to see like everything, adults and kids and women and elderly. Uh, it really got my attention. How is that different than internal medicine, actually, if With, you could? Yeah, internal medicine, they see mm -hmm. um, adults. 
adult patients. Primarily? Mm-hmm, primarily. Okay, right. And then, so we, the difference would be that we do also kids as well. One thing that really interested me about your story and about the way you practice is your focus on people getting access to primary care. Um, I was looking up some statistics for this episode, and in the JAMA Internal Medicine edition of December 2019, it said that only 75% of U.S. adults have a primary care physician. What are your thoughts on that? It is very difficult, and it's been for a while, even for people who have health insurance to actually get care, to have truly access to care because you find a lot that even people who have insurance, they say, okay, I'm trying to get into seeing my primary care doctor, but there's no um, appointment available under a month or two months. Um, So, so this is something that kind of threw me off when I was thinking of like, oh, and opening my practice and say, you know, primary care is so important because we take care of the vast majority of the medical problems and health needs, and we can do, we can take care of those before they get big and more complicated and more expensive. So if the patients don't have access to that basic care, that's when we head up to these problems and people, they end up with heart attacks or they end up you know, um, with complications of the diabetes or complications with the high blood pressure because they, they were not able to access care on time and one of the thing is what that access um the health insurance some, there's a lot of people that afford um, to pay for the health insurance if they don't go to the doctor and then um those that don't have insurance they're afraid that it's gonna cost a lot of money or that they're gonna probably um get a bill on the mail it is really frustrating and it's really complicated for everyone to truly understand it seems like you kind of do need a bachelor's degree to even interpret your own insurance benefits Mm -hmm. and it's confusing for us Mm -hmm. it has to be confusing Mm -hmm. for our patients and I want to hear more about uh, what are the obstacles that the healthcare system in the U.S. like places for us because it it makes it so difficult and we'll go into it later on but I don't have a PCP right now which is (laughs) we'll get into that in a bit but why do you find it to be so frustrating well for the patient right um what i have seen is and sometimes we leave that too you know sometimes um one first of all having insurance you know i i don't have anything against insurance and i think we all need some sort of insurance because we have to have some coverage just in case we develop something you know like cancer that we need expensive treatment or we need a surgery, or we get into a car accident, or we break a bone, we need a surgery, those things, we, it's the same. This is how I look at it. That I, it's the same as when we have a car, we pay for the car insurance, just in case we get into our accidents, we don't have to pay for the whole thing, right? So, mm-hmm. but we take care of the maintenance. We pay for the change of oils, we put some gas. If we hear a little click of clack on the car, or we see a light learning on, we'll take the car to get checked, and we pay for that, right? So th- I see that for our health kind of the same way. We need the, the health insurance to have some coverage just in case we have um, cancer or a, a surgery 
or yeah, hospitalization, anything, any emergency, there is really expenses we have. We need mm-hmm. that. Um, the problem is that insurances nowadays are so expensive that there are not a lot of people could afford that. Um, and so insurances right now, this is something that we think with direct primary care, like we can take as a family doctor, as a primary care doctor, we can take care of 90 to 95% of the daily medical needs of the patients. It does not need to be um, expensive. It can be something that is affordable. Yes. And you have your own practice. So for everybody who wants to learn more about it, you can find Dr. Caraballo's practice on yourfamilymd.com. And that's based on the direct primary care model. And from what I was reading about it, that addresses a lot of the issues with the current access to healthcare and primary care. So uh, if you could explain to us, what is direct primary care? Direct primary care is basically, we don't contract as a physicians, we don't contract with any health insurance. We actually contract directly with the patients. So the patients pay a monthly fee, like a subscription, the same for, similar to the gym or the Netflix that you pay a monthly fee, and then you have access to the doctor whenever you need it from whatever you are. So direct primary care will cover your office visits, your physical exam, the office visits that you need throughout that year, but it will also cover your telemedicine uh, consults as well. So you truly have access to your doctor. It doesn't matter if it's during the week or if it's during the weekend or during the holiday, because if you get sick during the holiday, the weekends, you always have access to your doctor and say, hey, doc, um, I'm not feeling well. What do you think I should do? And then um, we can just call you back and do a video conference. So you do have that access to your doctor, not only by office visit, but also with the telemedicine. So your patients know you by your first name, basically. Yeah, they then. know. They call me Dr. Dalian, correct. And they, we, we are able to see them on the same day, either for office visits or a consult, or, um, telemedicine consultation. They don't have to wait. We take care of, of a smaller panel of patients, so we don't have 1,000, 2,000 patients. Most of the DPC doctors, each doctor will have up to 600 or 700 patients. Like in myself, I, I want to remain in around 200, 250 patients. So we are able to spend more time with them when they needed to see them on the same day. When they go to the office, they don't have to sit in, be sitting in a crowded, crowded waiting room. They don't have to wait hours before they've been seen. And they have the, you know, the option that if they need to be with us for 15, 20 minutes because it was just something simple, we can do that. But if it's something that will take more time, for example, going over um, you know, how to manage the blood pressure, how to manage diabetes, um, going over, you know, losing weight, exercise and stuff like that, then um, we have that option, we have that time to spend with them. Um, and they don't need to feel hurried. Yeah, I like that there's not really much of a wait time. And then mm-hmm. you can really, yeah, be really involved with uh, how they're doing at, on the whole. Mm-hmm. in terms of Correct. Health. And when we don't work with any insurance, the patients actually can keep the same doctor. Because that's just a doctor that does not depend on the health insurance. And I'm pretty sure you have heard somebody say, okay, now I don't see this doctor. I like this doctor, but now yes. the doctor doesn't accept the insurance and I can't see them anymore. So I have to now start with another doctor. So you have to start all over again, tell all your story. And that continuity of care is important. 
Absolutely. That's uh, how you can catch any tiny differences, Mm -hmm. any tiny change. And the patient also can call you up and have that trust built up and Mm -hmm. say, hey, something feels a little different. Should I be worrying about it? Mm -hmm. Can we wait a month? Do we have to go in right now? And Mm -hmm. Same with that. Most of us will contract also with laboratory companies. So we can offer the patients the option to get blood work done super affordable. For example, like in my office, a complete panel, the yearly panel that you will get, it will cost you $110 or $120 um, for the panel. So DPC, direct primary care, how is that different from concierge medicine? Because I'm seeing a lot of similarities, but it also has to be different. It's it's mainly the cost. Okay. It's mainly uh, the cost. Like um, usually do you have primary care, the fees could be $100 or less per person. And then the concierge is a little bit more expensive. In terms of undocumented patients or, you know, patients who are unable to have any insurance at all, how does direct primary care, does that like become a little more expensive or does it address that? No, it absolutely is not more expensive. For example, I live in Miami. So Mm -hmm. um, I do, I do have, you know, patients that that they can get insurance uh, for some reason or the other one for paper, whatever. And I, they have no problem. I can see them with no, no problem. It's it's not going to cost them more to see me just because they don't have paper. That's wonderful. It's mm-hmm. always uh, so difficult with that population. I'm sure, you know, Miami, as in mm-hmm. New York, that's mm-hmm. a, a lot of our patients and they'll only show up when it's like really an emergency uh-huh. or in my case with eyes, um, it's been pretty heartbreaking, like really advanced diabetic retinopathy and that I'm trying to manage, but we don't even know if the patient even has diabetes because they never had a blood test. And mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. You know, but if I guess more patients need to learn that there's this option too. Absolutely. And and, and there's just tons of direct primary care practices there. Is, and, and it's growing. It's, it's beautifully growing. And I hope that now with the, the um, this experience we had with the coronavirus crisis, um, this could motivate more doctors, more primary care doctors to go into this, into this model. So I used to have this amazing PCP. His name was Dr. Arshad. Oh, may he rest in peace. The whole community here in uh, Jackson Heights loved him. And which is, which says a lot because there's some, there's, there's such a dense population here of people. And that fact that he's been, he's been able to impact so many lives positively was incredible. He was amazing. He listened to me. I had like something weird going on Mm -hmm. with my skin and everybody, I went to so many doctors before him and they all kind of like said, oh, you're just being a teenager worrying about it because I was 19 then, but he listened to me and like fixed me right up and then sent me over to a dermatologist. Oh, and that's nice. Yes, he was amazing. And then, right, so when he passed, he uh, was, oh, my gosh, it was a, a whole thing in the community, which was beautiful. But then ever since then, I've kind of had difficulty finding a PCP because they sold the practice over twice. Um, it was a different person. And now that it's in the same practice they no longer take my insurance or I think they moved. I don't even know. Now <laughs> I, like right now, I don't have one, but I'm loving this direct primary care model. And since I guess I'm looking, how do you think now that I could find 
someone in my city who practices similar to you? There is a website um, called DPC Mapper, D-P-C-M-A-P-P-E-R.com, mm-hmm. where uh, it has all the names by state of the direct primary care practices that are available. So you can go there, search for your area, and look for the DPC doctor that is closer to you. Are they taking telemedicine new patients right now? Yeah. yeah. And there's some of them are, are seeing, like, for example, in, in my case, which is what um, most of the doctors are doing. Um, I screen them through, you know, phone call. If they're having any respiratory issues, if they're having a cold or they think they have coronavirus, what I'll do is I'll do telemedicine with them. But if there's somebody is not having any respiratory issues, but I really need to see you and examine you, then I bring them in um, to the office or patients that need a physical exam, a yearly exam, so that I'm now now trying um, to bring in those patients and taking care of them like that. So yeah, you should be able um, to do telemedicine with any of the DPC practices. Yes, that's what's really going to help all of us just improve healthcare outcomes across the board. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And now... Due to current events, things are really different. I'm sure you're evolving so much in how you're practicing as well. But how have things been for you now during COVID times? What has been different with your daily COVID, care? Yeah, mm-hmm. COVID has been um, a crisis that has affect, affected all of us in, in all ways, right? Um, but And I, I am so thankful, Damaris. Let me tell you, I'm so thankful that I have been doing this for three years, I've been I've been doing my direct primary care fasting for three years. So, all my patients are so used to do telemedicine that our transition during the coronavirus was smooth because they're used wow. to yeah mm-hmm. they're they're used to they're used I to that have, extra communication with exactly, you exactly extra communication oh. if they if they are afraid or if they can send me a text they can send me they send me articles whenever they read something that is scary and I review them and I send them back. I send them emails, letting them know this is what's going on, keep them updated, you know, things like that. So that way they remain calm, you know, you're recommending for, for them to stay home. Um, but our transition, honestly, the Maris was really smooth because we were already doing it. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. wonderful. That's right. You opened your office March 2017th. You just celebrated mm-hmm. your yeah, third, my third year. year. Yes, correct. Oh, and then, so the different thing, you, the difference now will be that since the, the coronavirus started, I open up the telemedicine services for everyone, even including that people that were not members. So, if somebody was is not a member from the practice and they're doing, um, and they are here in Florida and they need care, they can actually go in um, through my website and then make their own appointment, and I will call them other time and day and time that they select it. Yeah. Thank you so much for providing this service. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you're giving patients peace of mind. And since you mentioned it, I got to get your completely honest opinion on on the pandemic video. You know, (laughs) to be honest, because I have been, I took a break. I'm taking a break from social media. Good, because that's the week. It's needed. Yes, it's needed. So I was like, so one of my patients sent me the actual video 
and I saw the first three minutes, three or four minutes, and I said, okay, I need a, I still need a break. I haven't, I haven't finished the whole thing, <laughs> but I will because I owe my patience every view about it. But yeah, honestly, I haven't watched the whole thing, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the first four minutes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, somebody sent it to me and I gave it a chance and I'm like, Oh, but you know what? You're right with taking a break because it got mm-hmm. me heated. And I'm like, I wish I wasn't so bothered <laughs> because <laughs> I wish I never saw it anyways. You know, I did watch the whole thing. And the last five minutes for me were like, yeah, clicking X, clicking out. <laughs> <laughs> I was the, four, the first four or five minutes. He's like, ah, oh, no, I don't have time for this. Right yeah. Now. yeah, I'm not. No, <laughs> too much going on. It is too much. But I have I have one of my, my great friends. She's a pediatrician emergency pediatric um, physician um, and I, I know she's she was going to be doing a review on the pandemic video she was doing some research um, to kind of debunk the the video so um, I'm going to be I'm looking forward to that to her video as well <laughs> absolutely I am too that sounds very much needed mm-hmm. and you're no stranger to crisis and health crisis back in <laughs> 2017 with uh you know the hurricane maria tragedy you and other doctors responded to this puerto rican health crisis by resupplying hospitals and clinics that were lacking essential medicines uh could you tell us more about how that went that was that was a really beautiful experience um, it, it was hard because, you know, I did not have any training on, um, disaster relief at all. So we were, most of us were learning, um, learning on the go and we received such an amazing response and support from people through social media and through the news, um, that so what we were trying to do after a hurricane and it was amazing, Damaris. It, we created after that. Um, we not only it was not only um, the the opportunity and, and feeling grateful for being able to help, but also we were able to create a, a community of physicians. We started with the Puerto Rico the Doctoras Boricuas group, where like doctors that were born in Puerto Rico and that are in Puerto Rico and other parts of the United States, we were all united in one group. So we are now you know helping each other. We keep communication. Um, even now, after the the, earth, the earthquakes and all that, we were able to also help. Um, we connected with other doctors that do um, disaster relief as well. For example, the doctor that I mentioned, the pediatric uh, physician, ER physician, um, that she's from Louisiana, and she also does the disaster relief. So we connected with all these people, and we keep doing it all over again. Like when the Bahamas hurricane came and Dorian. We did it all over again. Oh, oh wow. That's the community. Correct. That's the most incredible thing, that bond and the way you can really help out each other. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we, we were saying during the last time, it's like, we need to make sure we do something in between, not just only get together whenever there's a disaster. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. So, Doctoras Boricuas, is that mainly a... Facebook group or is there like a website we have it as a Facebook group um I haven't really honestly haven't had the chance to create a a website um but I'm hoping that within the next year or two I'm able to sit down and do something more 
work more on the website as well. So, but it's mainly a Facebook group. Got it. And in that same note, I did want to ask you, what does it mean to you to be a Latina in medicine? I am so proud. <laughs> you should be proud. We're all proud of you. It's oh. an orgullo hispano, un orgullo latino. It's hard. I know yeah. we, you know, we are minority and, and it's hard for us. Um, I remember, I remember eh, Damaris, honestly, I remember that my biggest fear was learning English. Yeah. I remember studying, going to Bahamas, and I would say, how am I going to, and in a matter of a year, Damaris, I learned it. Don't ask me how. <laughs> wow, when was that? I learned it, and that was back in uh, 2008. I think no it was way. the end of 2007, 2008. Mm. And I say, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm going through this barrier and it doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm going to make it. So I am from Puerto Rico, Boricua as we call it. So we, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to represent us as a Latina in, in the medicine area um, because I know we go through a lot. We have so much to be proud of. The fact that we're able to be where we are today, and I'm sure you feel the same way too. The fact that we can help our community, it just it makes things a little easier to do, no matter how difficult they get day by day. And if you could also share for us some words of wisdom for our younger audience listening right now who are aspiring to be healthcare professionals, what words of wisdom do you have for them? Never give up. Don't listen to the nears. And the first thing you need to do is to know what you want. Know exactly what you want. When I decided I was going to be a doctor, I, I, I cannot tell you how many nears and how many obstacles I got in my life. And I, when I look back now and say, if I, was, if I had listened to this person or have, you know, give up at that moment, I will not be where I am right now and it's not about feeling you know oh proud I am a doctor it's not it's not about that itself I wouldn't be able to help as much people as I help now because we go into healthcare we're going to medicine we go into nursing we go into these careers because we want to help people we enjoy we get some feeling of reward uh, of when we help people that's that's why we go into this so if you want to go into healthcare, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a nurse, and that's what you want, hold that image in your mind and then work towards that goal and don't listen to the nayers. Yes, you cannot listen to them. You have to keep going forward if you have a goal and that applies to absolutely anything that you have your mind set on. Correct. You have to keep going there are going to be people along the way who aren't going to believe in you, even people who you least expect. Mm -hmm. You still got to keep going. And you got to hold on to those who are cheering on, cheering you on. They can surprise you too. The people you least expect also cheer you on or are silently on the sidelines mm -hmm. for you, hoping that you win. And a big part of that is our patients. They want us to they want us to be there for them. They want us to study hard for them because we can save lives and we often do when we don't even realize it. 
Thank you so much for sharing your story, Dr. Caraballo. Oh, thank, thank you, you so Damaris, much. for having me. <laughs> yes, it was beautiful. If you guys enjoyed hearing this, don't forget to rate and review my podcast. And I would also love to hear your feedback on everything that you think about <laughs> what we talked about. Find me on Instagram at New York IDoc. It'll be in the show notes too. DM me so that I can be better and that we can be better too. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much again, Dr. Caraballo, for coming you, on. If our listeners have any questions for you, where can they find you at? They can find me at Dr. D-R-D-A-L-I-N-C, Dr. Daliancy. Um, that's my Instagram. And then Dalian Caraballo, Dr. Dalian Caraballo in Facebook. All right. Facebook, too. I got to find you on there. We'll put all of this on the show notes. Thank you so much again. We wish you the very best in these trying times. And yeah, so we're signing off, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.